the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time for Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Dr. Chen is the pastor at Grace Church of the Bay Area, a church committed to glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ through verse-by-verse expository preaching to learn exactly what God has revealed in His Word. Now, here's Dr. Chen with today's message. It would be equally wrong, though perhaps financially helpful, if he came back in half an hour, but with no bread and had all $5 back. And so you see that disobedience is not just adding to, there's various factors to it that would equate to going beyond what is written in the scriptures. Here's my point. When we say, or when I say, we must do exactly what God says and not go beyond it, everyone listening hears something different based on their experience. And they all allude to different scenarios with the boy and the five dollars. Some who have repented of and come out of legalistic or Christian cult backgrounds will hear me say, don't add extra man-made rules to God's Word. Others of you who have left liberal churches might hear me say, you can't just ignore certain passages. You have to obey all of them. Like the boy had to obey everything that the mother said. And still others, perhaps, who have left charismatic churches hear you can't just worship God however you want. You have to look at the Scriptures, and you can't just disregard Scriptures altogether and just go by your feelings. So, when Paul says don't go beyond, it means don't add to, but also don't take away, and also don't disregard part or whole. When Paul says that, he means all of the illustrations that I've given. Okay? And all of those speak to this particular context of what the Corinthians are doing. Remember, they are lifting up and thus causing division and stoking their own pride and egos through Paul and Apollos. Now, the reason this is clear and and actually a very good uh, example for us because it is very clear in the Scriptures that pastors and elders and teachers of the church, such as Paul and Apollos, that Christians are commanded to give them proper honor and respect. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Okay, so you're supposed to do that. What's wrong? 
First Timothy 5.17, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. So we know from Scripture that they are to respect and give honor to their elders, their teachers, the apostles. But within the Corinthian church, there were those who were misapplying these commands and truths on both ends. We know that some were going beyond honor and esteem as commanded to the point of worship and veneration and causing division. And some were not going far enough by only focusing on other pastors. And we will see in 1 Corinthians actually attacking the character of the Apostle Paul, not because of sin or anything he had done, but just making things up. And so again, we see two sides of them abusing a clear command. Some were ignoring it completely by criticizing Paul for his faithfulness. And so we need to understand that if someone is abusing something, it's not that we ditch that altogether. We fix it and go back to the scriptures, see where we are going beyond exceeding the scriptures, and make sure we go back to doing what is right. Now, oftentimes we add to our Christian behavior with our own convictions, and that's fine, as long as you don't lift it up to the point of Scripture, like your view on entertainment or your view on uh, smoking or drinking. Well, how do we not lift that to the point of Scriptures? Well, if you use that as a form of worship, then that's great as long as your heart is right. You know you've lifted it to the point of Scripture in your own mind, even if you'd never say it's the same level as Scripture. If you're judging other people for doing what is not uh, forbidden in Scripture, or you even go out and you tell people that they are not supposed to do those things if they are a Christian, okay? When you do that second one, well, the first one too, not only are you putting your convictions on the level of Scripture, you are putting your opinion on the level of God's truth. So we must be careful. So Paul reminds them of what a true servant is so that they would learn not to exceed what is written. When you exceed the Scriptures, you are no longer doing what God expects of you, but what you want to do. Thus, even loving appreciation and loyalty are polluted with pride and conceit. That's a secondary lesson that Paul is trying to teach them. And we see this in the last part of the verse. So that none of you or no one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one against the other. The word arrogant literally means to puff up, right? And we... We use that illustration when we talk about pride, right? The proud as a peacock, right? Because we're talking about when he puffs up his feathers. It means literally to puff up, to inflate, to blow up, to fill with hot air. Remember the accusation of the IT tech to the man in the balloon? The avoidance of boasting and puffing oneself up is the final goal of this teaching, okay? And it's not that we can work backwards and say, well, I don't really struggle with pride, so I don't have to adhere to not going beyond the Scriptures. You get that. He's just going from big picture to smaller. It's a fun thing. I'm sure there's a scientific name to this. I know that there's animals, right? Genus, species, family. I probably got the order wrong, but we've been trying to teach our boys that at dinner time, going from big to small, right? Food, 
vegetable, green beans, right? And so trying to teach them categories, and that's what Paul is doing. He's going from big idea to smaller to specific, okay? So the point is, all of these apply even if when he gets to the specifics, it doesn't apply to you. And we've seen that throughout 1 Corinthians because we don't really have division like the Corinthians had and where you're exalting different people, exalting me or exalting John MacArthur or exalting R.C. Sproul to the point that you're causing division in the church. But that doesn't mean we ditch the whole thing and don't apply it. So in the same example from my dinner time, even though we may not have green beans that day, that doesn't mean a vegetable isn't a food. You see what I mean? So this still all applies and needs to be adhered to. So the avoidance of boasting and puffing oneself up is the final goal of this teaching. Paul specifies that the arrogance is, quote, one against another. And that's simply what we've talked about all along, that they're taking one individual, Paul, and pitting him against Apollos, Apollos against Peter, Peter against Jesus, whatever it may be. And that's no good. You can argue that it's a pride in persons, right? It's a pride in that individual, Paul, Apollos, Peter. But ultimately, it's still pride. And all arrogance is about me, myself, and I. All pride, no matter what form it takes. Bragging about your company being better, bragging about your favorite pastor being better, bragging about whatever. Pride is pride, and ultimately it is about yourself. And that's why we see that Paul's not just saying, hey, don't do this, we, you shouldn't, we shouldn't be worshipped, we're just servants. He says, you guys are being proud and you need to repent. Okay? So that's the purposeful or exhortation. We've seen the practical example before that. Thirdly and finally, the personal evaluation. The personal evaluation, we see this in verse 7. For who regards you as superior? And what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? To drive the point home, Paul uses three rhetorical questions, which we see in many of his epistles. He starts with a general belief among the Corinthians about themselves, who regards you as superior. Now, as you know, uh, even in uh, today's English, a rhetorical question doesn't expect an answer. It's a question to prove a point because the answer is uh, very obvious. Okay? So who regards you as superior? The word regards means to judge between two things or two people, to make a distinction, to make a difference. And that's why in the ESV it says, who sees anything different in you? The NIV says, who makes you different from anyone else? And we know from the context, because of the pride and division, that the NAS says superior because the Corinthians are thinking not just that they're different from one another, but that they're better than one another. So who regards you as superior or different in a positive way? Okay? It's a distinction that each individual Corinthian is making, which ultimately makes it us versus them, or me versus him, or her versus that guy. As with all conceit, this becomes a problem 
because if everyone thinks they're better than others, then obviously nobody is right. Especially in this case, as evidenced by the next question, what do you have that you did not receive? This is a good question for all believers. This is not just Paul talking about his instruction to the Corinthians. This is uh, applicable to all believers. This builds off of the first question, which emphasizes that they aren't superior and nobody regards them as such. Not Paul, not Apollos, and definitely not God. I mean, if Paul and Apollos see themselves as servants and slaves, do you really think they see these other Christians as something beyond that? Anyway, the point is that even if we do have more than what others have and the world, by the world standard, by, the, by, our, by our company standard, by our socioeconomic standards, we may have more than them and be considered superior by them. The real, reality is that what we have been given, or what we have rather, was given to us. And this, of course, applies to all things spiritual as well, Right? Specifically, it was given to us by God. Or I should say, those things, they were given to us by God. Not to belabor the point, but it may help to mention that if we were given these things by God and understand grace, right? When we're given things by God, it's not because we earn them. If we were given these things by God, then we are neither the creator's nor the bestowers. And that's very important because we sometimes act as if we are. By the way, uh, in case you're a little confused, but isn't it saying that, didn't we look at that we will be rewarded with eternal reward based on our heart attitude and our actions? And the answer is yes, but the bigger picture is what we're about to talk about because even your ability, even your desire, even your salvation was a gift from God. So here's the idea. Back to a couple weeks ago. If a slave has been chosen by his owner to become the house steward, okay? So now he's taken out from the field and he's brought into the house to now have this higher responsibility, It is a huge responsibility. Remember, we talked about he would be uh, over the stewardship to make sure that there was enough food, there was enough clothing, there was enough fabric. Remember, this is a time where food and fabrics were not as easy to come by, right? You didn't have many different outfits. They were to last a long time. Even they were in charge of of the tutoring the kids or if they had other slaves tutoring them to oversee the tutoring. So it was a huge responsibility. It was a great privilege. And now he might now live in the house instead of the slaves' quarters or sleeping out in the field. Okay? Now he has nicer clothes than other slaves. He has a more comfortable bed. He has direct access to the master. He has a larger tummy. Because he's well-fed, he's not starving, and he's not working under the hot sun doing manual labor in the fields all day. But he still 
has no right to look down on the other slaves as if he was better because he only has what he has because of the master's choice, because of the master's training, and because of what the master has put on his table and in his bedroom. We are only what we are because of the master's choice and because of the master's training or gifting. That goes to spiritual gifts as well as hobbies and abilities. So, the implied and expected answer to this question is nothing. There is nothing that the Corinthians have that they did not receive. There is nothing that we have that we did not receive. There is nothing that the, the most pagan person in the world has that he did not receive. We call that common grace. Okay? Again, we're not just talking about spiritual gifting. We're talking about your education, your ability to cope at that level, at that school, your ability to stay up, the parents you have given them, the, the, the idea that God gave them to immigrate here or somewhere else, the finances, every penny, all your abilities, your job, the fact that the, the, the boss said okay and hired you, even your family. Not to be crude, but the Lord is in control of every cell of your body. He knows every hair on your head. And so he knew exactly not only when you would get pregnant, but how you would get pregnant and which cell would fertilize that egg. He gave you everything. He gave you your looks regardless of whether you think you're good looking or not. It is a gift from God. He has given you your clothing. He has given you even the people who have influenced you uh, in a negative way. He has given you the growth that you have because of the persecution from unbelievers. He has given you your experiences. He has given you the tolerance in those early days when you thought it was nasty for coffee or energy drinks, so that you could study, so that you could get to where you are. Some of you are working and going to school. God gave you that. God gave you the roof over your head. Yeah, you can complain that it leaks. You can complain about the cost of all of those bids to replace your roof, but God gave you that. God gave you the ability to choose between a $7,000 and $10,000 bid. God gave you the ability to say, well, the $10,000 is more expensive but affordable. God gave you everything, everything. We praise him. And we don't use these things and say, I'm better than you. I'm better than you because I'm a pastor. I'm better than you because I went to seminary. No, God gave me that. You're not better than someone else because you're the CEO and this other guys and started at the company the same time as you. No, God gave you that. Do we work hard? Yes. Is there responsibility? Yes. But God gave it all to you. Everything. And so with the answer, the implied answer to that question, we have a logical segue to the next question that brings us back to the situation at hand. Right? What do you have that you did not receive? Nothing. The final question, and if you did receive it, which we did, why do you boast as if you had not received it? 
In other words, why do you brag as if you earned it yourself? And therein lies the heart of the issue. You're acting like you earned it when you had nothing to do with it. Again, there's a place for human responsibility. There is a need for us to obey, to wake up, to not be lazy, to do the hard work of disciplining yourself for godliness, no doubt. And there's a place for us to recognize us to recognize in you your hard work and your faithfulness and your diligence and dedication. Thank you for that. But that is very different than pride. There is no basis for pride and conceit and arrogance because ultimately it was all given to you. As Paul writes, there is no foundation for boasting. Think about it. Although you may do it because of what people will classify as a lack of self-confidence, the reality is all self-conceit must be based on a belief of superiority, as if our gifts were earned or self-bestowed. Otherwise, you would only boast in God. Otherwise, you would not have low self-esteem you wouldn't even be concerned about the word esteem. All you would care about is the glory of God. The Corinthians boasting, as I have said to you many times before, shows that they miss the whole point of the gospel of grace. That ultimately is why this is so offensive, so sinful and worthy of Paul's time and rebuke. But again, here's why. Not only does the acknowledgement of grace, that is the, that all things have been given to you undeserved by God, keep you from boasting or thinking yourself superior, grace also leads to humility. Grace leads to gratitude. Grace leads to shaking your head when people praise you and instead say, uh-uh, not me, it's all him. I appreciate that but praise God. See, it does take discipline. But it doesn't take discipline to be thankful. What the discipline needed here is, is to appreciate grace. Then gratitude and humility will naturally flow out of it. You see, this is where we talk about the big picture attitude. Because if you don't get that right, and this, even you want an even bigger picture? Focus on the attributes of God, His holiness, your sinfulness, what He has done for you. Then understanding grace becomes easier. Then thankfulness naturally flows. Because if you just say, well, I just want to be the kind of guy that encourages people. I just want to be the kind of guy who is more well-respected, which then just goes back to the, the problem what we're talking about because it's all about you. But if you start there and just focus there and you train yourself to be, uh, not to be, but to say thank you and perhaps even on a selfish level you, you, you get yourself to actually have a heart of thankfulness but it's not directed at God's grace, then you're just a legalist 
and you're going to get to heaven one day and there's going to be all of this wood, hay, and straw labeled gratitude that's going to burn up. You see, you have to focus on God's grace. You have to train yourself to recognize you don't deserve anything outside of what you have earned yourself in the eyes of God. And in case you're wondering what that is, I'll just summarize it with one word, and that is hell. The only thing you have earned is hell. You have not earned your salary. You have not earned your giftedness. You have earned hell. And everything else is a gift from God. See, worldly wisdom and self-sufficiency as opposed to grace lead to boasting. It leads to judging. The fact that the Corinthians are puffed up against each other effectively and practically denies that God has given them all things. And what they should be doing is praising God with proper humility, humbly expressing gratitude. And that's what we should be doing as well. And so I hope that as you think through this passage, you understand that on a practical level, what Paul is doing is challenging us as those who challenge other people. He's challenging us on our pride and conceit through his practical example, his purposeful exhortation, and his personal evaluation. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sakes, so that in us you may learn not to exceed what is written, so that no one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one against the other, For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Let's pray. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Tune in next week for a continuation of this message. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You're invited to join them for worship service in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit the website gracebayarea.org for directions and other information or to view a live stream of the service. As a listener-supported program, we ask that you consider making a tax-deductible donation so that we can continue to share Pastor Rogers' teaching with you each week. Donations can be made through the website gracebayarea.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.